I've at least had that paradigm flipped on its head, that coming in alone actually meant I could experience encounter and embrace and communion in a way that I couldn't have anticipated because just I felt relationally met. And I think so often, you know, I mean, that's part of the fear of entering into solitude is the aloneness of it. Um, fear of God for sure, but fear of self. And But I, I have found that moving into that, which I don't know that this answer scratches the actual itch, but I know from experience that alone and loneliness are not the same thing when it comes to solitude and that it is a place of encounter where that loneliness is met with some kind of relational response from the relational God who wants to meet you. You're listening to the Rule of Life podcast by Practicing the Way. In each season, we explore an ancient practice from the way of Jesus and its relevance for the modern era. This is season four, Solitude. Okay, here we are, you guys. We are back after a full start. You just missed it. We started, we had a beautiful 60 seconds, and then a fly. We were attacked. Landed on Bethany's forehead, Literally. and you would think she was just accosted, you I, know? I felt she attacked. Was very scared. It honestly was so alarming. I thought it was going to fly into my eye. So here we are. Now we're back again. And uh, one final episode, Brian and Bethany, it's such a joy to be with you. Thank mm -hmm. you for your conversations over the last few weeks. And we thought it would be fitting to end the Solitude series with a Q&R. Mm -hmm. So Q&R, by the way, for those of you outside of Portland and the <laughs> postmodern West, that's a little Portland quirkyism. So postmodern theology, but not theology. We don't believe that. Postmodern culture. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have question and answer because that would imply there's such a thing as objective truth and that we have the answers, God forbid. Mm. We don't actually have the answers. I love it when so you're sassy. We have, <laughs> sassy, that word is not used of me often, but we have question and response. Ah, I like that. Mm -hmm. So we have some questions that have come in from all of you listening and our team kind of combed through and picked out a few that kind of, you know, categorize a kind of grouping of questions. Mm. And we thought we would just work through, it's great. chat, yeah, and call it a day. The Solitude Practice is a four-week experience designed to be run in your church, small group, or community. It combines teaching, conversation, and spiritual exercises to introduce you to this ancient discipline for life with God. If you come on the solitude practice, you will not just learn about solitude, you will learn how to practice solitude. The end goal is to integrate solitude more richly into your rule of life so that you can arrange your life around God. The solitude practice is completely free thanks to the generosity of our friends in the circle. Available now at practicingtheway.org. Here we go. Question number one. Hi there. This is Caleb from Avondale, Arizona. I'm a 30-year-old 
husband and father of three young children. And my question for the solitude practice is, what if I can't easily find a place where it's quiet to be alone? As a father of three young children, it's hard to find a quiet place, uh, (laughs) period, or a quiet time. Um, But even when they're asleep or if I have a chance to get away, it's really hard even to find a place that is truly quiet in an urban setting. I find that everywhere I go, there's just noise and it's loud. Even outside my home, the sound of the street is noisy. So what do I do when it's so hard to get alone and to get quiet? Hmm. I know another father with three young kids. Who Who could answer this? Occasionally has helpful thoughts on the practice of solitude. (laughs) Sorry, that sounded passive aggressive. (laughs) I did not mean it that way. No, I, I, Caleb, I, first of all, I love that your heart is in that being a father. I have three kids as well, nine, six, and 18 months at the time of this recording. And I will say that it has been one of the most challenging things in this season of life with young kids is that your life is full of noise. And first, just, I think you approach the question even with such grace. And I think that giving yourself grace is a way to do it, but that doesn't mean don't wait until you have an easier life or experience for solitude to be a part of what you do, or sounds like silence. I know for me, and you kind of spoke to this a little bit, it has less to do with space and it actually has more to do with time. Like if you have roommates or if you have young kids, like I have young kids and if I get up at 5 a.m. and even if that beats them by 30 minutes, I can have a quiet house. And that might be rare where I live, but if you have roommates or you live in a city there's a, there's a sea, every city I've ever been in or lived in, there's always a time where things tend to be still. And I have found personally that if I have carved out a space of consistency, whether it be in the morning, and the mornings may not be the best place for you, but every place I've ever worked has had some kind of office or conference room or bench outside of a field or a public park where I can steal away for 10 or 15 minutes throughout the day. And at this season of life, it's probably really tough for you to get an hour uninterrupted of solitude, but carving those little moments of 10 or 15 minutes where you can just step away from the rhythm of your normal life and get that pattern of just slowing down, finding that you can come to stillness outside of the home might be the greatest gift. I know when I first started doing Sons of Solitude, my very first place of doing a half day retreat was on a bench that overlooked Corona Del Mar, Little Corona by where we live. And it by no means was um, was not quiet, right? Cars yeah. drive by, people walk by, but there was something for me that that place just brought my soul to stillness. Mm-hmm. So don't judge it by how how much volume around you is. It's really mm-hmm. about the inner pace, the inner space, as much as it is about the outer noise. And I've come to realize, even if I'm easily distracted, which I very much can be easily distracted, I found that there are certain places where my eye catches beauty and I can just be fully present without the noise overwhelming me. So I think if you have a place in your city or in your town or near where you live, even like a backyard, where there might be a little connection to something just outside of the routine, that is a beautiful place to try to let your soul become quiet. Mm. Um, I don't know what that says to you guys, if there's anything else you wanna add. No, that's really helpful. I mean, this may not be helpful because if you're a dad with little kids, you don't have a lot of extra days or overnight trips lying around. But uh, one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is how many 
monasteries and Catholic retreat centers are often proximate mm -hmm. to cities yeah. and within an hour's drive. And I remember, you know, uh, when we were in Portland, I was there for years before I realized there was that Jesuit retreat center oh, yeah. right off division. Yeah. And it was just like off a block. And I'd yeah. driven past it a thousand yeah. times to go to dinner or ice cream <laughs> and never even knew that there was a yeah. beautiful yeah. center right in the middle of the city mm -hmm. that was 10 minutes from our church where you could book overnight for like yeah. suggested donation of 30 bucks or something, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? And it was right there. And it wasn't the wilderness, it yeah. wasn't, you know, the best. Um, I mean, the beautiful thing about Portland is you could just drive an hour and you're out in the woods, mm -hmm. you know? But um, I do think finding, yeah. again, that's not the short answer of, totally. you know, when the chaos of a weekly grind, mm -hmm. but I do think, look up, there may be yeah. retreat centers, monasteries that have rooms that are available, um, that are not not far away. When I visited cities that have more like uh, like great Catholic churches in the middle of the urban center, um, a lot of those places are open in the day. Yeah, the, mm -hmm. and the churches still, themselves. Yeah. And yes. they are very good at like moderating sound. Um, I've done it like, I've been working out of a library a lot lately and there's a couple of spots in a library by us where no one is around. Mm -hmm. It looks out this beautiful window and uh, I have done short windows there of like 20, 30 minutes and been completely undistracted. So I think there is some creativity that you're tapping into that mm -hmm. I think is really helpful. Yes. Think outside that box. Think outside yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, there's a Norbertine monastery down mm -hmm. by you that I went to yeah. once. And I just went to morning prayer. It was like at 8.30 mm -hmm. and the monks come in and do like a, you know, Benedictine kind of Gregorian thing. And then they all left. And then I'm in this, you know, beautiful 400 person kind of cathedral yeah. kind of thing. I'm the only, there's one other like older woman up near the front and we just sat there for like yeah. two hours. It was so quiet. You know, when yeah. it gets so quiet that you hear like the the inner ear ring. <laughs> yeah. you like, you know, you're yeah. in silence yeah. when it's like you hear the That's ding, true silence. You yeah. know? Oh. And I remember at one point I wanted to journal. So I pulled out my pen and I clicked it. And it was like, <laughs> you the loudest sound hear, in click, the world. Click, click, yeah, click, totally. click, click all through that room. Yeah. I thought, man, what a, nobody is here. Nobody's here. Yeah. There are millions yeah. of people within a 15 minute yeah. drive of this place. Yeah. And it's me and one other person yeah. that are experiencing this silence. It doesn't cost a penny. Mm -hmm. Anybody could walk in off the street. Yeah, We so, have them all throughout Orange County. Yeah, mm. amazing. Mm. All right, so let's take another question. This one is from Cecilia. Hello, my name is Cecilia. I'm a mom of two girls, six and three years old, and I'm a full-time worker in a Christian school. I live in Vancouver, Canada. And my question is, how often should I practice solitude? That's a great question. It's a great question. There's certainly not a right answer to that. It seems to me that knowing your season is a key part. Yeah. There are certain seasons when a lot of solitude is required of us. Mm. You know, I think in particular as seasons of discernment. Yeah. And, you know, when we are discerning the will of God, in particular around, you know, the last year we went through a year long discernment process about where to move as a family. And I spent a ton of time yeah. in solitude, not because I was virtuous, because I was <laughs> like, it was not an easy decision. Yeah. It was, there yeah. was no clear path at the beginning of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just and had a lot of like inner stuff I had to sort through in order to come to a place of mm. detachment to mm. really discern God's voice. So I think in seasons of discernment and seasons of healing, mm -hmm. you know, we For need sure. a lot of solitude and a lot of community. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what else you guys would say. What other seasons do we need extra solitude exhaustion or after exhaustion yeah, yeah i think after know? a hard run of something yes. there's wisdom in 
a lot of solitude. But then there are other seasons that call for kind of the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. Like when you have, you know, my sister just had a baby four weeks ago. She'll be here tonight for Sabbath dinner. She's not doing a lot of like three-day solitude retreats yeah. right now, and neither is my brother-in-law, you know? Yeah. And they are doing a lot of up in the middle of the night, yeah. and, and it's a gift, but they're not in a season for long periods yeah. of solitude. Yeah. Mm. And um, so the same might be at the beginning of a new job or ministry or, mm. or whatever. So I think know your season, and there's not a right answer. It's a moving target. Um, season of life, you know, you'll have a lot less when you're, kids are little than if you're single, than if you're an empty nester. But I also just think about, I think about solitude through kind of a three-part grid of just daily, yes. weekly, exactly. and monthly yep. or seasonally. So every day, my personal, this is, again, this is not right, my personal, I want to begin my day mm-hmm. in solitude yeah. before I talk to another person, see another person, or look at my phone. Yep. I want to be with God in the silence, you know, the Bonhoeffer line, like the end of our days belong to God and the beginning of our days belong to God in silence. And then weekly I want, and for me, Sabbath is normally the best space in just our family's life and our family's rhythm. You know, um, I have teenagers now, so they're really noisy at night. We went from like, I can't get morning time to now it's like, I can't go to sleep. <laughs> so I get nice morning quiet. They sleep oh, until so noon good. on the Sabbath, but I don't get enough sleep during the yeah. week because they're up late. But um, the Sabbath for me is the best. I need a space where I have more unhurried time yeah. where yeah. there isn't a like, hey, I have to be on the Peloton bike and in the shower by 7.05, mm-hmm. where it's just, hey, I'm here. And I have time and, you know, the slow process of emotions coming up Mm. can come up in an unhurried way, you know? So for me, that's normally Sabbath. And then I always want like seasonal kind of longer times in solitude, Mm -hmm. you know, a day or overnight or, you know, I actually just got back from just uh, a night away and it was Mm -hmm. just wonderful. Mm. Went out to the woods and (laughs) it was 24 hours. But, you know, first I got there and I'm just tired. So I sleep for the first hour. I'm yeah. like not a nap yeah. person. And I got there and I was, I did not realize how tired I was. Yeah. That happens a lot when I go into solitude. Yeah. My exhaustion catches up to me. And then frankly, I just felt like angsty and itchy and kind of bored for three mm. or four hours. Like, what am I doing here? I have so much to do. Mm. I have a podcast on solitude to record <laughs> in two days. And then, you know, went to sleep. And then that next morning, just, began to really mm. hear God's voice. Mm. And it's just, there's, a, there's just some things that happen in extended periods of solitude. Yeah. I would never say they're impossible in shorter t- time periods. They're just really good. So um, I'm not saying you need to do that much solitude. I'm in a season of life where I need a yeah. lot of it right now. Yeah. But I think thinking about it seasonally and thinking about like a small bite-sized daily experience yeah. yes some kind of a weekly, a little bit longer, just you're there with mm-hmm. God. And then um, periodic, which may be once a year for you, maybe once a month, times where you really go away. Yeah. Mm. I was just gonna say, I think one of the things I've come to notice is when I feel the internal pressure of other people's expectations of me that seem to be pushing against something that's more of a natural response that I have, that's when I'm like, oh, I'm I'm wearing these these roles mm. too greatly, and I need yeah. some time to retreat. That's been a marker that in journaling and doing the daily examine, where I've I mm. can notice a pattern. That's a good insight. So you're yeah. saying for you, it's a little bit less about the rhythm. I have that, but but it's it's more about 
and the healthy sense of response. Yeah. Like, mm. hey, this thing just came up. Yeah. I need to go spend some time. Yeah. Like if I'm a month away from like doing a longer retreat or something, but I, I've been, I'm noticing this sting where I'm, I'm actually responding out of anxiety or out of, out of an expectation that I feel rather than what's really in me. Well, then it's like, I'm wearing too many labels yeah. or faces and I need to remind myself, be reminded away with him what he's inviting me to be in a season. You know what that brings up for me? Um, mm -hmm. One way that I think, I'm just realizing this now, I don't think I've ever named this, but that I do exactly that, like a solitude and response, is whenever I feel a word from God, especially mm -hmm. if it's through another person, whether it's a prophetic word or mm -hmm. even a line in the sermon that I've just yeah. felt like, oh my gosh, that's like that's a watershed me, yeah. moment for me or a line in therapy or spiritual direction. Like we, we've had those moments where just yeah. like, yeah. I really had a profound experience with God or yeah. word from God. And then what happens to me all the time is like, wow, that's amazing. And then I just keep going go about yeah. it yeah. in the yeah. busyness and hurry yeah. and distraction of life. And three days go by and yeah. I don't even remember what yeah. was said. And there was this life-changing yeah. word from God that just in the busyness of my life, I just blew past. Yeah. So um, Trevor Hudson is a professor I had for a while on Ignatian spirituality had this great line. He said, we don't change from our experience, we change when we reflect on our experience. Yeah. And in context, he was you know, teaching on the Ignatian examine, yeah. which mm -hmm. is kind of like a daily 15 moment of solitude yeah. where you reflect. And anyway, I think the wisdom there is sometimes when I really feel a word from God from a person or something, I will, I will just slip away. I'll say, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll need to get time this week. I need, an, even if it's just an hour yeah. Yeah. Um, to go, I need to journal this. Yeah. I need to sit with it. I need yeah. to kind of let it sink into my body. Yeah, I need to get it deeper into Digest me. Otherwise it. I will just blow yeah. right past it, yeah. you know? Um, the Holy so. Spirit, how can I respond to yes. that? You know? And, and, and the then yes, in that. Yeah. giving consent, yeah. listening. That's what good. do you want me to do about this, if anything, you know? And what mm. else should I know? I mean, yeah. you know. what, uh, yeah, it's yeah. powerful. I mean, it's, again, these are just all, mm. they're all pathways, mm. you know. Okay, mm -hmm. here's another question from Lisa. Hi, my name's Lisa. I live in Surrey in the UK. And I lost my husband, Paul, when I was in my 40s about 11 years ago. I have a question about solitude. And my question is, how do you embrace being alone with God and deal with feelings of loneliness? Thank you so much for answering my question. And I have to say, I absolutely love the podcast, which has really helped me in my walk with God. Wow. Oh, Lisa, That's a human. I'm so sorry lovely? for your loss. Yes. Yeah, so lovely. Wow. Um, man, what a question too. Yeah. What a, I think a question that many of us hold when we're coming into this space, but uniquely so, I think mm. for many. Um, I could try to jump in on this yeah. one. Um, I think, you know, uh, the key there is in the question, you said, how do I embrace being alone with God and then dealing with the feelings of loneliness? And I think the first place is, um, is embrace, is starting with the embrace of like, how do I, how do I enter in? And I think we spoke to this uh, on another podcast of just entering in honestly. I think that's the entrance. But when it comes to the loneliness portion of it, at least in my own experience, which has happened quite a bit, often when I think about solitude, I've thought about it um, because it is the lonely place, because yeah. it is mm, the that's place- That's literally how Aramos yeah. is translated. Yes, yeah. where I am alone. Yeah. Yeah. Often I have gone into solitude with the lens that because I'm going in alone, it will be lonely. Mm. But what I've found is 
in my going in alone with honesty, I have been met. Um, I have been, I've at least had that paradigm flipped on its head that coming in alone actually meant I could experience encounter and embrace and communion Hmm. in a way that I couldn't have anticipated because you felt less lonely or less lonely. Yeah. I mean, simple way to say that. Yeah. Just, I felt relationally met. Um, Hmm. and I think so often, you know, I mean, that's part of the fear of entering into solitude is the aloneness of it. Um, fear of God for sure, but fear of self. And and, of it putting us in touch with our loneliness. Yes. But I, I have found that moving into that, which I don't know that this answer scratches the actual itch, but I know from experience that alone and loneliness are not the same thing when it comes to solitude and that it is a place of encounter where that loneliness is met with some kind of relational response from the relational God who wants to meet you. Mm. So that's what I would say. There's no, there's no perfect answer when it comes to this. Maybe you guys have better thoughts, Mm. but I've just found in my own experience of, of living alone, being alone, I'm alone a good bit when I'm not doing ministry stuff, but that even amidst that, God has been really faithful in the aloneness to bring encounter. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm thinking of, there's a line from St. Jerome in the fourth century who said, we are never less alone than when we are alone. Yes. You know, referring to God's. But I think I do just want to counterbalance that with a yes and, I think, I know you well enough, Bethany, to know you are not saying this. What we're not saying is spiritualize your loneliness. No. And yeah. you know, only God can satisfy your loneliness, so just go be yeah. alone with God and you'll be no. fine. No. And um, mm. that's a half-truth. It's not a lie. It's a half-truth. Mm-hmm. And I think we are relational beings created by a yeah. relational God for relationship. Yeah. yeah. And so... you know, Lisa, we are so sorry for the loss of your yeah. husband yes. and in such prime and early years in your life. Mm. And may God bring around you and may you say yes to a community of people yeah. yes. that are not a husband, but are a family. Mm. And um, may, there are, there are certain, you know, I remember back in the day in the early 2000s <laughs> singing that song, All I Need Is You. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember a theologian coming up How's to me going? once Could and saying, no, I'm not, <laughs> okay. I am not going we'll to do try. it for you. <laughs> Uh, I remember the theologian saying, that's not true. Mm. You know, like yeah. Genesis 2, it's not good We're for made for alone, yeah. yeah, you know? And I think the songwriter who wrote that later deconstructed his faith, you know? <laughs> and I think we're, we're built for community, yeah. you yeah. know? And we're built for relationship. So there is a healing. There, what people don't realize, and married people know this, but is that you can be married and still be deeply lonely. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. You can be surrounded by people and be deeply lonely. There's yeah. something existential about it that goes to our alienation from God. Mm-hmm. So there is an assuaging of loneliness that comes in solitude that is extraordinary. Yes. Yeah. But there's also a built-in wiring in yes. us to be with people. And this is where just solitude is one of a two-part back yes. and forth. Solitude, community. Yes. Solitude community mm-hmm. and i think even leaning into that um again i mean not not even to speak to your story specifically um but there is something about like pressing into family community in a season where grief might be surfacing yeah. in the loneliness because maybe loneliness isn't the feeling it might be something else and i think until yeah. we get into that space to name it to name it accurately as it sits 
Um, and, and then also not make it a, a somber thing. I think sometimes we can think of solitude and yes. silence as this somber yes. affair. And I, I remember a few years back, I, took, I was going on my first multi-day retreat. Um, I've, again, young kids, it's very difficult to do that in light of other expectations. And, and I was so hungry. I was just like, I felt like even me, an extreme extrovert, was like, I cannot wait to just be alone <laughs> in this space. And I remember the day before, I kind of canceled the monastery I was going to. And I said, I'm just going to get an Airbnb. And I'm just, I think I feel invited to just have like a friend yes. vacation, which sounds so lame and cheesy, I know. But it was one of the mm -hmm. best retreats. I went to an Airbnb. I, w I actually went to dinner one of the nights out. Mm -hmm. And it was like this playful, joyful friendship conversation. Yeah. I walked, took two days and walked for two or three hours on the beach mm. and these long stretches. And I felt I must've been a madman. Like I was laughing with Jesus. It was this bizarre and beautiful reminder mm -hmm. of that hunger in my heart mm. for friendship. Yeah, That in the one of the loneliest seasons of my life with friendships moving and things like that, I just felt like it was this simple reminder of like, you will never be too mature to just be with me as a friend. Yes no matter how spiritual you think you are, mm -hmm. like how many times you do centering prayer, like this is home base for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was just a sweet reminder that it can be a light, like lighthearted place. And it, that, that, that weekend has changed. I mean, two years later has changed, consistently changed my experience of prayer. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It feels like sometimes, you know, what we call loneliness is really just our felt sense of we need a friend to help us carry our pain. Yeah. yeah. Wow, know? that's a great way to phrase it. And uh, Jesus is our friend. Yes. And Bethany, you're my friend. Yeah. And yes. Brian, you're my friend. Yeah. And God, Jesus made us to need all of that friendship. Yeah. You yes. Know? Mm. All right, let's take another. Hey, my name is O'Brien. I'm a student in South Florida. And I was just wondering what role nature has in the practice of solitude. Hmm. South Florida, Bethany. Come, come on, I know here. it. Is there an, feeling there connected. <laughs> I'm feeling connected. What? What? I don't know. In South Florida, can you half the year you can't go outside, okay. right? It's you like can go get outside. Eaten by a crocodile okay. or Cro die of heat stroke in three <laughs> minutes. Mosquitoes. This no. is another conversation we need to have. I don't. <laughs> Sorry, it's a running feud between it's Bethany. The and interpretation I. of Florida. You know, crocodiles aren't even in Florida. I just want to say that alligators. Oh, gators. Everything's Sorry. air conditioned. It's not alligators. It's, it's a yeah, tropical paradise. Paradise. We've talked about this. I know, this. but he said nature. It, nature is That's not why he's talking about Bethany. it, because this man's in paradise. He's like, <laughs> he's like, what's going on? I'm feeling it. Just he, just, he just, his assumption was in the month of January. Yeah. <laughs> First time I ever went he to Florida. He has one bad experience. It was June, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. this Lord have mercy. People retire. You were like, pretty impacted. To retire, and then I came back once in February. It's I was amazing. like, oh, yeah. all right, I get it. Okay. Some of our dear friends just moved there, and they just... They're in paradise. They're they in just paradise. Love it. Come on. Love it. Okay. Well, there mm. it is. Um, O'Brien, I think you're tapping into something I've been thinking about recently. Just in, you know, it goes without saying, Jesus was not a monk. He did not go mm -hmm. into a hermitage or a cave and hide there yeah. for 20 yeah. years. He was a rabbi and a teacher who would regularly disappear out into the wilderness, mm -hmm. into nature, as we would call it today. And, um, you know, it's funny, like technically a spiritual discipline is just almost any kind of habit that you yeah. see in the life of Jesus mm -hmm. that as some kind of a channel for grace. And I've been thinking like, what are, because I came into teaching on the spiritual disciplines that has like a list of them, what are ones that I'm missing? Because they're not on the list, mm -hmm. yeah. you know what I mean? That I'm like, wow, like 
you know, eating meals with community is mm -hmm. not on a traditional list, but it's like one of the main things you see Jesus yeah. do. Yeah. He is eating around a table all of the time. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, but um, one thing I just, I've been thinking about is Jesus did a lot of what we would call hiking, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, or backpacking <laughs> or God forbid camping. I yes. know camping is a, is a mixed bag for people. <laughs> I love it. But he would regularly, his time of solitude was normally walking or climbing a mountain. Mm. He would literally go out hiking, mountain climbing, camping, backpacking, and on this modern language, not the language yeah. used by, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but he would go on long walks yeah. Yeah. in the wilderness by himself. Mm -hmm. And I think especially for more kinesthetic type of personalities that are a little bit, do a little bit less like mm -hmm. breathing from the diaphragm and the half lotus <laughs> position and Sorry, I mock that. That's my style. But people <laughs> that are more, you know, body based, yeah. movement based, they actually come to stillness better yeah. on a walk, yep. you know, or with their hands doing something than just sitting on the floor. Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know, I just find nature to be the glory of God. Yeah. Yes. You know, I remember John Tyson, who's in Manhattan, said to me once, uh, very vibrant prayer life. And he said, when I walk around the city, everything I see was basically made by humans. Mm. And so I measure myself and my accomplishments against other humans. Mm. But when I go out into the wilderness, That's everything beautiful. I see yes. was made by God. So I measure myself against God. That's mm. amazing. And yeah. that there just is a perspective, mm -hmm. I think, that comes. Um, I just went camping last weekend up in the up in eight and a half thousand feet. It's mm. beautiful. Wow. No sound mm. other than the wind. It's extraordinary. Mm. There's just something that happens there, you yeah. know. So I guess that's my way of saying yes, thumbs up to yes. nature. Yeah. Thumbs up to being outside as you can to and again it's free. Like a couple yeah. of years ago, I mean Portland's its own thing because it's not a giant city in this beautiful Pacific Northwest that three months of the year isn't pouring rain. Mm. Um, but <laughs> in those me. better months, I, I just would do all my solitude, just like solo camping trips. Just mm. one night, I just drive yeah. out of the city, go up by myself, up into you know government land mm. and just spend the night. And it was just a little scary at times, but it mm -hmm. was, it's free. The beauty yeah. of that, it costs five bucks in gas or whatever. Yeah. That's all, you know? Yeah. I think there's something to, and I don't know where this perfectly intersects with solitude, but there's something too, like what David was saying when he said the heavens declare the glory of God. And he talked about, you know, there even being a thread of God's voice woven through creation. Yeah. And I think for me and my own experience, creation's a vital part of how I commune with God. Yeah. So when I'm even if when I'm entering into solitude, nature has has had this profound ability to witness to me. Like John was saying uh, about God's care, about who God is in a way mm. that nothing else that I've done, even through the reading of scriptures or other brilliant authors, but in a way that none of those even compare to what I'm experiencing through the voice of God in creation. Mm. So I think there's something about that that, yes, allows you to compare yourself, you know, to God in this really magnificent way, but also to hear something intrinsic to creation and your own yeah. creation that connects in in a space of nature and solitude. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. beautiful. I mean, we're just come back to these practices are embodied. Yeah. Yes. We're in a body, you know, mm -hmm. we're not just, we are a body yeah. and God made us to be in this world as mm. his gift to us, you know.
Practicing the Way is a crowdfunded nonprofit made possible by The Circle, a group of people from all over the world who believe deeply in the work of spiritual formation and discipleship and give monthly to see formation integrated into the church at large. I'm Christoph from Copenhagen, Denmark, and I'm a part of this community. Practicing the Way has opened my eyes to many things and faith that I didn't experience in my own church. To join myself and others in the circle, or to share a one-time gift, visit practicingtheway.org slash give. Let's take another. Hi guys, my name is Shannon and I'm from Colorado. My kids are grown up and the last one is just about to graduate from college, so I find myself having a lot more time for practices like silence and solitude. My question is, how do you know that anything really happened if you come back from intentional time alone with Jesus and you're automatically grumpy? <laughs> what? Come on. What are, this is my kind of woman. That If I was going to turn a question in, that would That's be mine. the question. How do I do so many spiritual disciplines and still I'm a grumpy oh, no. dad and husband? Lord have mercy. Wow. That's a good question. Is it great? I mean, yeah, there's not going to be one answer to that. Let's start with the positive answer. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try. It's. I mean, I guess, let me say this. One of my favorite things that at first I hated and now I've come to love about the practices and how they function in our spiritual formation is they're certainly not formulaic. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's not like you go do this, put this input in and right. then the output yes. and then this happens. Yep. You know, and yep. again, we're so formed by the modern world, by technology, yeah. by digital technology in particular, to just everything is controllable, everything is quick and mm -hmm. fast. Half of it's free and you just move your thumb and boom, you know, dinner shows up at your door 20 yeah. minutes later. And the soul does not work that yeah. way. There yeah. is no app for the phone, mm -hmm. you know, or for, for the soul. And um, that's actually such a gift because I know myself that if it was that way, if it's like, hey, you do 45 minutes of solitude every other day and then you are 80% better as a dad. Yep. If it worked that way, my relationship with God would so quickly devolve down to a transactional. Like yes. I do this regimen yep. of spiritual disciplines, you do this transformation thing, cool, got it, onward and upward. I think and, like two units of spiritual formation in, two units of growth out. That's how like, we want Two wanna, units in, <laughs> yeah, totally. it's four great. out. Yeah. I mean, come on, let's throw a little grace <laughs> in spirit, there. Yeah. yeah, you know? Mm. Um, and so it's such a gift that mm. the spiritual disciplines often don't work. Yeah. And I mean that a little tongue in cheek, yeah. Yeah. meaning you often come back from a solitude retreat and get in a fight with your spouse mm -hmm. five minutes after getting home. And there's a gift in all of that, the lack of the formula to it. But I think the other answer is, you know, it's cumulative. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't map one to one. Yeah. You can't look at, yeah. hey, I did solitude and I, had, I was grumpy or I was sad or I was anxious when I got home. Mm -hmm. You have to look at it over a year, five yes. years, yep. 50 years. Yep. Hey, I wove this practice into my life and over these three years I began to mellow mm -hmm. as yeah. a whatever, you know? We're transforming. Yeah. So I think that's a thing I have to say to myself yeah. very often. Not transformed. Often. Right. So I don't come back always transformed, finished, but transforming. And even what I do with the grumpiness when I return yeah. is also an indicator of my encounter or my time away. 
Yeah. And I mean, some of that is grace. Like, it's really easy for me to feel godly when I'm in solitude. (laughs) There's nobody there to interrupt you or agitate me. I'm doing great, God. I am so godly when I'm by (laughs) myself. You wouldn't believe it. That's my introvert. All the extroverts are like, I don't get that. But all the introverts are like, yes. (laughs) And that's where, I mean, if if the the metric of spiritual formation is love, then that's good information when I come back yeah. and I'm not loving. I realize that's like another yeah. gift of self-awareness, a yeah. gift of, oh, wow, the brokenness goes deeper than I thought, yeah. you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah, and even naming what the grumpiness is, because being grumpy is like a, there's so many reasons. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because you were, you were in such, it was so peaceful, it was so serene, that coming back to the chaos of life is a, mm-hmm. that's good information. Yeah. Like the way that I've, this structure of my life is not helping produce. The, yeah, I mean, it could actually mm-hmm. be an indictment on your life structure. It's, that's the yeah. thing, yeah. You know, not and, the, and that's hard to say, I don't, that's not too hard. Yeah, because not all of us can just change our life exactly. structure. Yeah, yeah. but, but I think some of us can. Yeah, and mm-hmm. just to notice it, again, without judgment in a way that yeah. invites the spirit to say, wow, okay, like what about this was so frustrating? Is it, it wasn't fulfilling and now I wasted time because I wanted mm-hmm. to be more significant, so I'm grumpy because I took, you know, whatever, emotional margin to get my partner to let me go and do this or whatever it was like it cost me something to go on this space and it didn't produce what i wanted Mm. there's all those metrics that we think produce that kind of it's frustrating the control again i wanted to come home like this i wanted to control i wanted to come home and i am peaceful and kind yeah that's one outcome i'm not saying that's the singular outcome i'm just saying just noticing why that is is a helpful so the next time you go in you're like what have i done to curate a different space for Mm -hmm. my way of being and um, there's little things that we can change. Very often we can't change everything all at once, mm. nor should we, but that's it. So no, boy. I mean, this is such a theme, isn't it? Just yeah. the role of surrender. Yeah. We're not in control. Mm. The practices are just an offering yeah. to God. They're yeah. not a formula for project self mm-hmm. or Christian self-actualization. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're just loving acts of obedience to God. Yeah. And if it's transformation, it'll be the work of the spirit that we put one unit of spiritual formation in and we see a whole life change because his work is in us as opposed to our yeah. effort, our effort, our effort equals. Yes. You know what I mean? There's just something about that. There'll be a day when we've all had this experience where we just, your mm-hmm. spouse notices or whatever. Someone says like, like, oh, you're, you're grumpy. You feel grumpy. And yet your spouse sees your partner. Maybe it's your coworker who sees you in a way that is kind. And you're like, that wouldn't have been my response nope. yeah. a year ago. I can't name why that was, mm-hmm. but that's good. Again, the cumulative. Yeah. And it's both ends. You will have times when you come out of solitude yeah. and you're grumpy and you yeah. get in a fight with your teenage kid. Hypothetical scenario. Yeah. Never, <laughs> totally. never has never happened to me. <laughs> then you'll have other times when you go into solitude, kind of expecting. I had this very recent, this summer, on vac- at the end of our vacation, we had a couple weeks off. We were staying with friends. And I, you know, with my wife's full blessing said, hey, can I just go take a day? I'll come mm-hmm. back for dinner. We'll do a super fun family night and just take a solitude day. She said, mm-hmm. great, go for it. Just went to a park, just drove and went mm-hmm. to this large kind Amazing. of park out of nowhere. Didn't cost a penny. Just spent, the, got up early, went, came back for dinner. And I honestly wasn't expecting much. I'm in kind of vacation mode, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't in a ton of pain at the time. And there is this uh, issue in my heart that has been there for about two years that I've just not been able to get free of. Mm. And I almost like unexpectedly had this profound, I don't know how to put it into Mm. words and I could Mm. be misreading it. I just felt like the spirit 
imputed change into my heart. Wow. And I just sitting there and I just felt like all of a sudden Mm. this thing that for two years I've not been able to do, I all of a sudden just felt like a capacity to do it. Wow. And that was, you know, maybe eight weeks ago. And it's been, I've been a profoundly different in this area of my life since then. So, I mean, that's the thing. Sometimes you go into solitude, encounter, and it feels like grace. You know what I mean? And other times you feel like you're, I'm disciplined, my phone is off, I'm doing the things. (laughs) And you come home, you're like, I... I'm not even sure I'm a Christian. <laughs> yeah. And again, this is ah, yeah. this is the mystery of the gospel. I feel mm. like mm-hmm. the more you take your spiritual formation seriously, the more you will realize how broken you are yeah. Yeah. and how desperately in need of mercy. Mm. Yes. You know, and that it just the more that feels like good news. Yes. Yeah, that's good news. Okay, here's another question from another Caleb, different Caleb. Here we go. Caleb again. Hi, I'm Caleb. I'm in my late teens, starting to look at potential universities and obviously still living at home. I live in Wiltshire in the UK and my question is, how can I practice solitude as a teenager? Caleb, you sound like you're about 34. You really do. Or 24. Amazing. No no 17-year-old wants to sound 34. I meant that in a good way. Yeah, great. Mm -hmm. Caleb, you sound amazing. Thank you for asking that question, Caleb. Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. No, there aren't right answers to this stuff, huh? You know, yeah. as the parent of a 17-year-old who's about to graduate high school and two other freshmen, um, you know, chatting to my kids about their life, the world they're growing up in, that in some ways is very similar to the one I did and in some ways is very different. Mm. Mm. Um, I think one of the greatest things you can do is just put away your phone, mm. you know, which is such a simple but radical act. Yeah. yeah. Like have regular periods where you are away from your phone yeah. and it's off. And they don't have to be big, profound. I went on a retreat to a monastery as a high mm-hmm. schooler. They can be, hey, every night I turn my phone off at 8 p.m. and I just kind of mm-hmm. crawl into bed. I relax. I, whatever you do, you know, play guitar. Um, but just creating those moments mm-hmm. of quiet, yeah. you know, yeah. for God, for God to come to you. Mm. Um Mm-hmm. And some, you know, in not long past, your teen years were was the season of loads of solitude. I just think about growing up in a place like my dad grew up in Ohio. He could just come home from school, and when he, if he wasn't working, he could just walk into the backyard and go spend hours in the woods. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. There's something about that less responsibility. The responsibility, yeah. yeah. Not to say you pressure. don't. I think there's more responsibility now on a lot of kids because of the preparation. Yes, mm-hmm. the teen years feel like adulting is more heightened is, is yeah. heightened and, and there's an anticipation of what's next this is a perfect season to mark those spaces out by hey what don't i have okay i don't have homework i don't have maybe a full-time job i don't have you know i, I know plenty of people that actually do and it's a very much a different working mm-hmm. at a university you saw the difference in students who came in with full-time jobs at 18 mm-hmm. very different um but there are margin that you have you don't have family obligations usually you don't have a spouse or kids and you have margin to go to the beach if you live by the beach and spend yeah. a half day. Go, mm-hmm. and I would say it's it's again nature is a great and free space. If you live by a big public park, take long walks. Like I think it's a beautiful time where you can actually there's a there's a combating of a world that's pressing in around you. Just like you said, John Mark, that I think is a beautiful season to come into your twenties with that kind of habit that will be life changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you have to cultivate digital resistance yeah, and you have to utilize the gift of that time and then just enjoy it and not for, you know, there's all sorts of 
Caleb, there's all sorts of developmental psychology around like male initiation rights yeah. and men your age, but your boys your age becoming men and that process of going from a boy to a man and all of them and all traditional and indigenous cultures, initiation rights all involve time in solitude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They all involve going away yeah. Yeah. from your family, from yeah. what's normal, from who you've been, time in the wilderness, time alone, yeah. Yeah. and then coming back transformed. Yeah. And I actually think solitude is almost like a little micro initiation process for yeah, all of us, absolutely. regardless of your gender or your age. It's like, you have the normal, you have the status quo, you go away, mm -hmm. there's a transformation, there's fear, there's danger, there's aloneness, there's loneliness, yeah. there's identity transformation, discovery. identity wow. comes up, identity. new, and then you come back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, so in, there's like a practice to this yeah. where you do it all the time, but then there's a whole life stage and and the adolescent years aren't actually the only ones i yeah. mean for sure mm -hmm. midlife is another and no life follows a script you know there are different seasons in life where our identity has to be changed yeah. and the role we've played has to be changed and our maturity has to radically climb up yeah and so there are both seasons of life where we really need to embrace that and yeah. then there's just this micro practice of like a little mini version yeah. when we go away for an hour or two but I think, man, lean into that. Yeah. Let God do this in you. Let yeah. God take you out, transform mm -hmm. you, give you a new identity, a sense of call, and then bring you back in to yeah. love and serve your community. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I think, you know, it's funny, not that this is helpful to you, Caleb, but maybe it would be, but I think about some of the most profound moments in my teenage years, and they are in moments of solitude. I wouldn't have called it that then. Yeah. But yeah. I think the weight, the emotional weight of some of the things I was carrying in that season forced me into that. I didn't know what it was. But when I when I think back, I think, wow, that's when I really became the person who learned how to hear God's voice. Yeah. And how to respond to it. So I don't know if that's encouraging, but I do think yeah. there's massive significance to taking a walk to you know for me at the time it was like sitting in a specific place in my room yeah i was not going to monasteries yeah. when i was a senior when, in high school I, I, my bedroom definitely was sitting on the yeah, bed yeah totally. yeah or you know listening to jeremy camp in the background or whatever it was <laughs> but having these significant moments of encounter that were probably 15 minutes long mm. but each one made a massive difference in who i became yeah so yeah. wow well done caleb yeah great yeah. question well guys I think this is a wrap. Um, such a gift to season be with four. You. So good. Solitude, such a gift to be with both of you. Mm. Yeah. Any closing thoughts before we go? I just think this is, I love that you ended with that conversation about mm. the going out and coming back. I think mm. that is um, such a simple and profound reality for a world that is trying to state claim and identity. Yeah. For you to just every day in some small way, put a resistance to that remember who you are just remember who you are yeah. and be in, invite the holy spirit and and it, again it doesn't have to be a somber thing it might be a hard season of silence solitude but it can be a joyous one too and the spirit yeah. is um, so gentle yeah mm -hmm. you can trust him mm. yeah you do not have to be afraid yeah. yes yeah, that's, that's the phrase in my mind it yeah it's do not be afraid and embrace the tension Mm. knowing that it's leading to transformation. Yep. That's the, you know, mm, as beautiful. I'm leaving this, I'm thinking the tension is where the transformation begins. And start small. I'm thinking yep. of, you know, mm -hmm. John's line, don't try to be heroic. Yes. Yeah, a great line. Don't try to be heroic. <laughs> it was so convicting. 
Yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, for for all the people that are like, nah, I'm just kind of lazy about it. There's us other losers that are like, I'm gonna do it so hardcore. Yeah, show you how this our, is oh, done. This is a different kind of psychosis. Yeah. But um, yeah, just start small. Start where you are. Take steps. Mm. Be exceedingly gracious with yourself because mm. God is far more than you can imagine. Mm. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. Thank you to The Circle and all of our givers who made this entire podcast possible. Brian and Bethany, thank you for your time as conversation partners. Love you both so much. And we'll be back, God willing, with another season in the not-too-distant future. In the meantime, the peace of Christ be with you.